I continue to believe that God continues to call Saul's to be Paul's. And I think we're seeing that through All In Community. I think it's also helping us to reclaim our heritage as healers and as, as the organization that stands with people that have experienced incarceration and as the organization that stands with people that have been victimized and marginalized. It's a reminder that we are not the dispensers of grace. God's reckless grace is available for all and is already present even in the places that we as good church people forget. This is Brandon Abbott, media producer for the West Ohio Conference, and today we're kicking off a four-part series about the All In Community Initiative. All In Community is an initiative of the West Ohio Conference to train, equip, connect, and resource local churches to be bodies of Christ that embrace our neighbors who have been affected by crime and incarceration. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the vision and impact of All in Community in West Ohio with our special guests, Dee Stickley Minor, April Casperson, and Reba Collins. Before we get into anything, would each of you mind introducing yourselves and tell us briefly what you do within the West Ohio Conference? Well, I'm Reba Collins, and I am the All-In Community Consultant for the West Ohio Conference. My name is Dee Stickley Minor. I am an ordained deacon serving as the Director of Connectional Ministries. My name is April Casperson. I am an ordained deacon in the West Ohio Conference, and I currently serve as the Director of Diversity and Inclusion for the West Ohio Conference. First, let's talk about exactly what All-In Community is, maybe to someone who's not familiar. So what is All in Community, both as an initiative, and what does that mean for West Ohio? Well, All in Community is, it is an initiative. It's not a program. And so by being an initiative, what it is, is it's engaging our folks that are feeling called in a variety of different ways to engage with, build relationships with, and disciple people who've been affected by crime or incarceration. That can occur in the church which we believe statistically that it is in every congregation, um, but it occurs in our churches, it occurs in our communities, it occurs in our families. Mm -hmm. The initiative is how can we come alongside these individuals to help them create safer relationships, safer communities that will lead to healing and wholeness for each individual that's been impacted. Part of the mission of the West Ohio Conference is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. So walk us through, and anyone can pick up on this question, walk us through why this work and this initiative is important to that mission. So the discipleship journey is about um, growing deeper in love with God, deeper in love with yourself, and deeper in love with our neighbors, right? I mean, that's the, that's the new commandment that Jesus gave us. And so when we engage with the, the men and the women who live behind bars, what I have found happens is as we build relationships and see them as beloved children of God, it allows us to allow the power of God's forgiveness and redemption to be manifest in our midst. Um, one of the things that I have realized in, in my own life and in my own discipleship journey is, is that I really wanted to continue to condemn certain kinds of people 
to an eternal hell because I really thought they were unredeemable. And it was coming face to face and hearing the life stories and the redemptive, transformative stories that I began to understand that I was limiting the redemption of Jesus's love. Because if I'm not willing to see the change and transformation that Christ's love has worked in an individual's life, that I am denying God. And so it's in that mutual journey, my faith has deepened. We are all learning to love ourselves more deeply, and we're learning to love each other the way that God loves us. I think the church misses out on the voice of God um, when we shut out the people that he is redeeming and transforming. And it has been a joy to see that the surprise, I think, in this discipleship journey for our our conference, um, whenever we are being discipled by people who have experienced incarceration. But yet when we look biblically over God's story, he uses people all the time that have been through this experience and been touched by this lived experience um, to move his people forward, to place them where he wants them. So I think, you know, it really hit me when Dee was saying that we limit his ability to transform people simply because we limit our, our understanding of who people are in a lot of ways. And so I think for us to make disciples for the transformation of the world, we have to be able to experience that and see that that is actually possible. And one of the best places to, to see that happen is in prison and coming back out of prison. To follow up on um, what Dee and Reba shared, it's very interesting. Um, we've heard conversations from people who have been incarcerated, and because of the community within the walls of jails and prisons, oftentimes conversations about race and class and um, crime and identity and what it means to have a faith, those conversations can happen much more quickly because of the forced community. And we who either do not think we are impacted by incarceration or choose to not engage with incarceration, we have something to learn. We have discipleship to learn from those people who are directly impacted by incarceration. One of the things that I I hear about the churches that really latch on to this initiative is that they become more diverse and inclusive. Can one of you walk me through like how you see on community contributing to our conference and our congregations experiencing this increase in diversity and inclusion? I have one thought, and then I would love to hear from others. Oftentimes, people who have stepped away from religion or from Christianity or the United Methodist Church, they use the rationale that we don't minister to all people. And oftentimes, incarceration is something that non-religious people think about, and they say, well, the church only cares for those people who are within their church walls. This is a part of our mission to make disciples for Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, to reach out and go where God is already present and help bring into light the grace that is already present. And also, I believe that our churches, individuals, and uh, congregations, um, we have things to learn from people who have been incarcerated, and our churches are full of people who are impacted by incarceration, but we simply don't talk about it. 
it's a form of diversity and it's a form of difference. And it doesn't have to be scary, but we can do this work together and it's collaborative. I think one of the big pieces of it is we really begin to see, All in Community helps us begin to see what's truly happening in the lives of our people that is shaping them and their walk of faith. And I think, too, it helps us to see the people that we are serving in community ministry differently in that we are seeing beyond how we're serving them. And we're beginning to see them as, as people that bring diverse backgrounds, diverse life experiences. I think the eyes are opening in a lot of our congregations to say, wow, we are we're already side by side with folks that others marginalize, that are marginalized in our community. And we're working with folks, but how can we really come alongside them and and bring their lived experience into the the experience of the of the church? What I'm struck by is um, as we welcome somebody who's been incarcerated into our faith community, we're held accountable to our own faith journey. And um, oftentimes, we're invited to deal with our own shame in our own lives. And there really is this miracle that happens in the midst of this accountable community, where as we practice forgiveness and grace, so we're not seeing somebody through the lens of the worst act they've ever committed in their lives, we're freeing ourselves of our own shame. And there's something about that miracle then that creates a faith community that is more welcoming because we're not creating a community of shame. And so then together, right, um, whoever was formerly incarcerated and those of us who are incarcerated in our own personal prisons um, are able to actually meet people where they are and exude the love of Christ and invite them into a different way of being and living in community um, through the love of Jesus. All in Community Initiative in West Ohio has been around for, for a little while now. What kind of impact do you see it making in our communities, our churches, and in our members' lives? We have some amazing All in Community leaders that have walked through incarceration themselves. And this provides them the pathway to reach back to others, um, to help them through that transition period back into community. It's just so amazing to see folks that have actually been through that experience, that have grown in their faith through that experience, that can then come into a community and be that unanxious presence and say, let's just start the discussion. I think it's also helping us to reclaim our heritage as healers and as, as the organization that stands with people that have experienced incarceration and as the organization that stands with people that have been victimized and marginalized from a whole host of life experiences. So, But I think the healing piece of that really seems to be resonating and connecting and helping our churches to see themselves differently and their role in the community differently. Um, and in a way that really magnifies why, why we have a thousand churches in West Ohio. It should mean something. Um, it should be a transformative movement. So as a deacon, my secondary appointment is at the United Methodist Church for All People. 
And we've received several people who have returned um, from prison. And um, one of the things that I see is, is that there is a vital group of men who meet in a small group. Um, and, and so the church is providing a way for them to continue their own life and faith transformation. Mm-hmm. And they have a place in their lives as they're struggling and journeying to put their whole life back together where they know where they walk into church, they're not just in a place that sees the worst of who they are. And so the church is giving them the energy and the hope to continue this journey of being who they want to be. And as a result, they're connecting with people out in the community that people like us here in this room would never be able to connect with, with the redemptive love of Jesus. And so it's it's that multiplication mm-hmm. of, of spreading the gospel. And, you know, I continue to believe that God continues to call Saul's to be Paul's. And I think we're seeing that through all-in community, that, you know, people um, who weren't the most, you know, highly sought-after folks are the ones that are embodying the love of Jesus within communities and among people um, that there would have been a closed door to because they we would have no street cred or trust. And to follow up on that, this work is a reminder for those of us who feel that we are deeply re- rooted in our faith and uh claim a Christian life as a part of our vocation, either as a lay person or as an ordained person, it's a reminder that we are not the dispensers of grace. God's reckless grace is available for all, and it's already present even in the places that we as good church people forget, and we are called to redemption just as we go into this work and we learn and are blessed by people who are impacted by incarceration. As you've all talked about this being so critical and like moving the gospel forward and spreading the gospel. Um, Are there any scriptures or verses that you find yourself going back to and reflecting on uh, while you engage with this work? When we started this work, uh, there was a a team of us that um, went into Chillicothe Correctional Institution several times to meet with the men in blue and um, to learn from them. And during one of our conversations, um, one of the men there, um, Ismael, was telling his story, and he revealed a part of Scripture that I kind of forgot even existed. And so Leviticus, and in Leviticus, it talks about what the role of the priest is. And one of the roles of the priest is to be able to go out and proclaim that somebody is unclean. Right? Because in the day, if you're unclean, then you are kind of like set aside from the community. And also, the role of the priest is to be able to publicly proclaim when somebody is no longer unclean. And so they're welcomed back into community. And so Ismael um, really convicted me around what is the public role of the church to really give voice to the redemption and transformation that, you know, these people, Mm. right, our brothers and sisters 
are no longer unclean, that they are a part of our community. And then together, we continue our mutual journey of discipleship and redemption. So that public role, that public role of removing the stigma. Piggybacking on what Dee said, the, the scripture that just came to mind was you know, when Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. You will go and be my witnesses. And I think we yearn to see witnesses. We yearn to, to have that experience of, of looking at somebody and knowing somebody saying, yes, Christ is real. Um, because of what they have been able to endure and the struggles they've been able to overcome and yet retain their faith. And so I think of our folks that are coming back, that they are amazing witnesses um, for the gospel. And I think, too, one of the things I lean into is Second Corinthians, when Paul is called to Macedonia and when he arrives and how he writes back to the church in Corinth of all the you know, he has um, obstacles on the outside and fear on the inside, and that so accurately describes what so many of our men and women face when they are returning, and then how the church came alongside, even the church far away in Corinth, you know, supported him by sending him, you know, encouragers and by just, you know, loving him and, and yearning to see him. And I think that is, for me, one of the best pictures of the, that symbiotic relationship between the individual who's been called and the indiv- and the ch- congregation that is supporting that calling, and so I think that's that's critically important as well. Um, and I see, I just see all of what Paul's life in Scripture as as something we really need to look to when we do this work, um, because he was in and out all the time. You know, <laughs> he was in the margins, and he was ridiculed, and he was deemed by society as unwanted and uh, somebody who inflicted pain in a community. And so let's get, let's export that somewhere else. And, and the church said, no, you know, you're, we claim you and we will, you know, we absorb, we can absorb that pain with you. And I think that's critically important for our, our churches to understand and realize. What are some of the ways individuals and churches can come alongside our neighbors who are in, are impacted by crime and incarceration? Because this isn't a program, it's really about the people. So any opportunity we have to just put ourselves in the pathways of life for others is that opportunity to be part of all-in community. Because um, as April said and, and Dia said, it's it's everywhere. Um, we have, you know, one in 10 people in Ohio are impacted by incarceration. So we all know somebody. And so that may be where it starts for some. But, you know, there are programs. Kairos is, is amazing. It's, it's a great first step um, within your congregation. A great first step is there's a, a new resource called Outrageous Justice. It's a Bible study from Prison Fellowship, and we've had several of our um, pastors use that in their own congregations, and they, they really, really see significant growth and impact through that. So it could be a Bible study. It could be a, a small group. It could be, you know, whenever you have a community ministry like a meal ministry or a clothing ministry, it could be a prayer group um, with that. So it really, because it's so people focused, and it really is about building authentic relationships. 
it, it's a, just that curiosity of, of hearing another person's story. I just want to thank you all, uh, Dee, April, Reba, for just this powerful and insightful conversation about all in community. Does anyone have any final thoughts or something that you'd like to say that maybe didn't uh, get said? So what I love about this work and what I love about this um, initiative is that it allows us to be creative and, and move in the direction God is calling us. Um, and that's part of the West Ohio Conference's responsibility is to help resource and show and direct and, and coach and, and make that happen, right, is to partner with God in that way. So I just encourage folks to, um, to dream big because God's got bigger dreams, and, and let's make that happen. I think the one thing I'd like to, to share is, is that um, – I was really struck with all the time I spent talking with the men at Chillicothe around their very genuine and authentic longing Mm -hmm. to continue their faith journey when they're released and their fear that no church would be willing to welcome them or their family. So I just think... I, I. I don't know if I think, I believe, I believe that we have an amazing opportunity to be the body of Christ and um, be be willing to welcome folks in Uh, because the the way I understand the gospel and scripture is, is that those men, those women aren't the only ones in need of redemption. I am too. And there's something powerful when we engage in that journey together. Um, and so my hope is is that uh, we can remove the fear that men and women returning to our communities will not be able to find a place willing to welcome them. Because I think that is who Jesus Christ calls us to be, is a place of wide welcome. Oftentimes when we begin to talk about jail and prison ministry and ministry with people impacted by incarceration, it can bring up feelings of discomfort either in us individually or you can see groups of people or even congregations say, well, I don't know if we're called to that. Let's leave that work to someone else. But sometimes discomfort is a way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and makes us reflect upon what's making us uncomfortable and can also propel us into boldness and into serving in a new way. I'm hopeful about this work. This is not new work, but in the last couple of years we've been doing it in a different way and it's really accessible. We have a lot of pathways for churches to engage in this work in a way that fits with their context. I'm hopeful about what God is calling us to do in this next season. Once again, thank you all for being willing to be on this podcast and for sharing so openly just your passions. And I hope our listeners will join us next time as Reba Collins takes over the microphone and interviews a very special guest, Heidi McDowell from Powell United Methodist Church. Reba and Heidi will be discussing the topic of walking with families who are experiencing the incarceration of a loved one and how the healing community's model of faith-based mentoring can help a church create a community of care 
for the incarcerated, the victims, the families of both, and the community. I hope you join us.